Welcome to the show. We are sharing stories with solutions from people who have overcome adversity and healed their life. I am your host, Victoria Johnson, teacher trainer for the Heal Your Life Workshop Teacher Program and the Heal Your Life Coach Training Program. You can learn more about me and the training at thetraining.ca. That's T-H-E training.ca. As Louise Hay always said, the point of power is in the present moment. So let's get started. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another wonderful episode. Our guest today is Deborah Mahaffey. She lives just outside of Belfast, and she is going to be sharing with us today about a topic that I don't think we've covered before. She is has been a counselor and coach in the domestic violence field for about 20 years and can really speak to us about the impact of trauma uh, to the victims, to their families. And also, one of the reasons that she's here today is to help people gain awareness of what happens when people are going through uh, domestic violence and what happens as far as our psyche goes and how we can work together to help people to move out of these different realms. She's also going to speak about the impact of trauma on her own life. And we just have so much to share with you today. I know you'll enjoy this. Her website is DebraMahaffey.com. I'm going to spell that for you. Debra, D-E-B-O. R-A-H, Mahaffey, M-E-H-A-F-F-Y.com. Welcome to the show, Debbie. Oh, thank you so much for having me in. It's so lovely to meet you too, Victoria. Thank you. Oh, it is absolutely my pleasure. I think that the work that you do is so incredibly important in helping women to recover emotionally mm. after, I shouldn't say just women, helping people to yeah, recover yeah, emotionally yes, after yes. being through domestic violence. And I know that something that you're really passionate about is raising awareness through both your coaching and counseling. So where would you like to start with that with the people who are listening today? I suppose for me, um, working in the domestic violence field is a bit about the personal stuff for me as well. That's how I got into it. I was a child that had grew up with domestic violence and um, had my own children. They grew up and then I decided to come back to learn and study. And one of the things that I found that I graduated towards was I wanted to understand what had happened to me and why domestic violence would be something that would happen. In, in particular, I will I will refer to women and children when I'm speaking about it, Victoria, because that's the, the main focus. I mean, I, I suppose as I've got into my work, men do speak to me as well, but it's mostly about domestic violence for women and children. And I think from that train, coming in to find understanding for myself, I then started working in the women's shelters um, and I worked there for six years and then went on to development work and training because while in the shelter, I started to realise that there was really a lack of understanding. We could we could support moms to work with their children. We could support children. But when those same women went into the community, they were often faced with agencies who had no understanding. And for women in particular, there was a real sense of like a blame, you know, um, why aren't you just leaving? That's one of the most famous questions, I think, when you think about domestic violence. Why don't you just leave? As if, and the other thing that would go with that would be if, if anybody did that to me, I'd walk away. They're the same. So I thought, oh gosh, how are we going to challenge these? So I I don't know whether I'm still on track for what, what, you're, yeah, what you're asking. Okay. I'm listening uh, okay. so intently. Oh, bless you. So I, I think that 
going uh, speaking to women firstly, there's this whole sense of there. Quite often, one of the things I would hear, and I don't know whether that's just a Northern Ireland thing. Uh, I must. Women will say, "I must have mug ready, written across my forehead." Because it's like everybody walks on me. And in particular, of course, if that woman meets an abusive partner, then a lot of, I I wouldn't say acceptance by women, but I think women in themselves are carers. We're natural carers. We never go into a relationship to be abused. I, I spent time with a woman today and one of the first things I asked her was what was the things that she was looking for when she went into a relationship? And so all of the things that she comes up with are love, support, companionship, security, children, togetherness, equality. And then I'll ask her, is there abuse written on that on that list? Mm-hmm. And of course, there never is. So from that point of view, it's letting the, it's letting the woman to see she didn't bring this to her. Right. An abuser came to her. Mm-hmm. She didn't she didn't attract abuse. No one, no one wants that. And I think it's important for people to realize too that when I'm going to say we because I've made this statement before, uh, mm-hmm. and then I learned my lesson uh, from there. But you know, why don't you just leave? Or yeah. yes. uh, if it ever happened to me, I would be out of there. You know, yes. those kind of expressions. And what people need to realize is that it doesn't happen overnight. It is a gradual process of yeah. wearing down the person. And more and more. And then, you know, if it does turn into physical abuse, that person is so beaten down emotionally that just leaving or walking away is not something that they can conceive. No. And quite often they don't have the energy because the wear and down in that relationship. And I hope this podcast does reach. So as I'm talking to you, I'm thinking of maybe a woman that is sitting somewhere that needs to hear what I have to say. And, and for me, I would like to reach that woman by just saying things like, you have done nothing wrong. You fell in love with someone who, when you fell in love with them, happened to start to abuse you in some way. And some of that can be so subtle that you don't see it. When we're talking about coercive control now, in Northern Ireland, there's a bill going through, you know, that we recognise coercive control. It's taken a while to get there. It's still not really there yet. But I think that even for women, women will say things like, and if, if this is the woman that I'm speaking to tonight, you know, I wish I had a mark. I wish I, I wish I could show you a black eye. I wish I could show you that I have, I'm harmed in some way. But you don't see my scars. My scars are psychological scars. So my scars, you might not believe me because along with abuser's traits, it's about who would listen to you. Mm-hmm. And quite often then when women will go their only way, because there's a lot of shame. And of course, the shame is put towards the victim because she's told by the perpetrator that this is you that caused this. You wore the wrong dress. You, you, you fed the children at the wrong time. They weren't in bed at the right time. The children are making a noise. Why didn't you sort this out? So there's so many things that women have to contend with that they, they are worn down. They go to the doctor. They'll talk to the doctor and quite often what they'll say to the doctor because they don't want to talk about what's happening at home. They usually say statements like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I feel anxious all the time. I'm having palpitations. I'm taking panic attacks. And the thing that always surprised me, well, not really, I suppose, that a woman will go into the doctor and talk about her addictions, her mental health, things, drugs, any, you know, whatever. And those things, as difficult as they are, she will talk about them first 
before she will talk about being a victim of domestic violence. Yes, absolutely. So true. And I think what happens, in my opinion, is that they feel a sense of, like you said, well, first of all, like you said, not having a mark, right? I have no proof of this. Yes, and then absolutely. that sense of betrayal. So there's the loyalty to the abuser, which I've heard described as a trauma bond. Absolutely. And you know, they often, you know, these, these people with uh, these wonderful feelings for others and that care about other people, they still want to protect that abuser, even though it's not logical. And I think part of that might come from losing their identity or losing their confidence or or low self-esteem. And I know that's something that you work with women to mm-hmm. conquer, to raise. So what are the, some of the techniques that you would recommend for someone who is, say, just getting started, just on her road to finding her way back to herself? I think one of the most important questions I've, I've learned to ask over the years for a woman who is in domestic violence very simple question, which is in your relationship, whose needs are being met? And I would often ask from zero being, there is no need being provided to you. And a hundred being that that's the most, most often women will say, oh, I'm lucky if I get 5%. Wow. So then we will, then we'll talk about that. So that leaves 95% of what you do in any given day is paying the attention to the needs of a perpetrator. And when you think about that, how exhausting is that? Absolutely. And and then we wonder why people lose their identity. Well, there's no time yeah. spent yeah. on nurturing it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you said it there yourself, Victoria. Quite often, even at the very, you know, women will go, it's the subtleties, because if you met this person in the street and they treated you the way that we know women are treated, you would you would be phone an emergency, you know, you would have that the police there, you would have that dealt with, you would be going through court. But this is someone you love. So when you bring in love, then very close to that is the line of fear. So to come back to the comment that you had made there as well around women um, leaving, we cannot underestimate fear because while the woman is living in this domestic violence, there is so many things that are said that she will remember. And I'll give you a brief example of that as well. A woman who has been stabbed, this her her partner then is obviously taken through court for that. And she he is charged, he serves time. And when he comes, well, actually, even when he's in, in you know, in prison, he will still form some form of control. So there will be, especially there's children, there'll be contact coming through, there'll be messages coming through. So he gets out of jail, and then there may be more pressure, you know. I need to be around you. She might feel sorry for him now. And he cut, she takes him back. And on the evening that he asks her, does she want a cup of tea? He maybe goes into the kitchen and he stands at the door cleaning a knife. Yes. Now, how does any woman explain that? Because that is something that is, that's the trauma response to what has happened to her previously. Another woman I can think of phoning our, our helpline and thinking, saying, you know, you won't believe me, but I feel so concerned and so nervous because he has just banged a glass on the table and he's walked out the door. And I know I sound silly, but any domestic violence worker will understand that straight away. Absolutely. And I think that uh, you talked about something really important there too. And that is, I think sometimes people stay in these relationships because they have gone back. So they were brave enough and had enough support to yeah. leave once. Yeah. And then they went back and they feel like, well, this is what I chose. I have to live with this forever now. Yeah, yeah. 
I would actually say to women when they say that to me, you needed to do that because it was only by maybe doing that that you discovered I was right the first time. Yeah. <laughs> and, when, and when you know that you're right the first time, otherwise you could live your life thinking, oh, if I'd only have done that. Mm-hmm. Because of course, there's so much hope within them for the woman within domestic violence. And there's a cycle. There's a cycle of abuse. I'm not sure if you know of this or not. By Leonora Walker and Leonora Walker created this cycle of abuse to help us understand the process of what happens within a relationship. Because if you think about it logically, if you were getting abused all the time, whether that's and by the way, I didn't talk about that. So when I'm speaking about abuse, I'm talking about sexual financial, verbal, emotional, and even as a parent, because as a parent and verbal, by the way, I don't know where I mentioned verbal there, but um, as a parent, you can be abused as well, where you can be put down in front of your children. And children are also used within those relationships to cause harm to their mother. And that is, you know, I remember speaking to, it was actually a teacher in one of our schools one day. And he said, I don't understand what happened to my mother and father's relationship. But what I do know is I'll never forgive my mother. And that hit my heart. <laughs> that hit my heart greatly. And I thought, oh, I wish I had time to talk to you. And he, he thanked us for the work that we did. But what that realized for me was we will never get angry with the abuser because that's too scary. But we will get angry with the victim. Oh, you know, I've seen that so many times and I didn't really know the logic behind that. Mm. But that makes perfect sense. It makes well, perfect Sense. Well, the Leonora Walker that I want, I just want to go back to explain that too. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's so if, if anybody wants to check it out, you can just put it into uh, a check on uh, Google and you'll, you'll get loads of stuff. And it's quite, it was, I think we, Cycle of Abuse. Again, then I think the name changed or maybe we changed the name in the sense that it was a cycle of violence. And that was in honour of women thinking that they had to be hit. So it was to take away the physical aspect of it and put in all the other characters. Yes. So again, eventually I'll talk you through that one if, we, if that's okay. Yes, please. Because I'm talking to this woman who's listening and I want her to hear it. Yes, so do so, I. So do, well, okay. So I want every woman who's listening to me that relates to this to draw a circle, to draw a circle on a page. And at the top of the page, we write explosion. Bottom right of the circle, we write honeymoon phase. In the middle of the left-hand side of the circle, we write tension building. In the middle, the words are love, underlined, and underlined, the word fear sits under the line. Okay, so love, underlined, fear. Uh, Love, underlined, fear. So what we have now is a circle with these diagrams. So if we start at the... Well, I'm thinking I did this today. So I started the honeymoon period where everything's wonderful. When we first meet, love is, well, what we believe is going to be love is there's lots of it. Sometimes there's too much of it. And that can be a clue as well, where we are bombarded, where we are um, text, we are watched, we are taken everywhere. And sometimes women, depending on our own backgrounds, can see that as an interpretation for love. That's right. So in there, then what happens is there's a lot of gifts. There's a lot of nearly like some women will explain that as being put on a pedestal. The problem is the pedestal gets a bit rocky. It sure does. So what happens then is, and again, a simple question to any woman, listen, why does it shift from there? Usually because we go back to the first question that I asked asked there, which is 
whose needs are being met. Mm-hmm. Yes. So if a perpetrator adorns you, they have to put a bit of attention on you. And remember, there's only going to ever going to be about 5%. That's right. So then there has to shift. So that's where we start to come up the left-hand side of the circle with the tension building. Okay. And again, women will talk about things like, I don't know what happened. It's something shifted. Yes. And they start to recognize it. They won't recognize it as a circle sometimes until you're outside of it. But what they, what I will hear women say is, it just feels like we're going around in circles. Yes, absolutely. And as they head then towards the explosion. Yes, so now we're heading. And, the, and there is a part just between the, actually that I didn't mention, just at the top of the left-hand side, before we get to the explosion, there is a term called provocation. And that's where sometimes women will feel, I can't put up with this anymore. I know we're heading, maybe maybe at a conscious level, they don't know, but they know something inside. There's not just, there's a feeling. So they will deliberately not do something. So if he wants his dinner at three o'clock, they'll make it at four o'clock because they want it out of the road. Right. Yes. And, and women feel guilty for that. And it might feel too like it, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it might feel like the one little bit of control that they have left. And I, well, the control part usually comes in the honeymoon period when we come back after the explosion. At mm-hmm. this stage, it can be very practical. Like I'm thinking of a woman who talked about, uh, I know I used to use this story in training, where a woman would have was going to a wedding and she knew that the explosion would always end up in physical violence. So she would have deliberately not made the dinner. I keep coming back to that example. Right. But because if he did hit her and she had marks, they would be cleared for the wedding. Uh, and then they could go back to, so so then after that, that cycle has gone, then she too gets to go back to the honeymoon phase with Well, him. that's what, but that's what women think. As I'm going to tell you, that's not, that is not the facts. <laughs> okay. Okay. So because what happens, it feels, so we've, we've headed to the explosion now, and that can be physical, as we talked about, what it, emotional. But when we get there, the woman has maybe had enough, feels like I'm walking away from here, I'm going to get help. But remember that when you live with a perpetrator, you learn every line in their face. You know their moods. You know the tension. You feel it. But a perpetrator learns to read you too. Mm -hmm. So when you, after the explosion, and you think maybe I need it out of here, at that stage, that's when they say, oh, I could be losing control here. Because the two big words we need at the top of that circle is power and control, which we haven't added yet. Power and control. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I would love to come to a workshop or a Zoom call or something that you teach on this. Um, So I'm just writing this down. Power and control at the top. I think that what you're sharing is incredibly powerful and life-saving. And I I don't mean just physical Mm life-saving. I mean life as in our identity and our purpose and our soul. uh, Living and and I know that you do uh, teach some classes or maybe you do some counseling online. Is that how that works? Yes, or, yeah, or tell yeah. people how they can find you because I know <laughs> they've been waiting for me to ask. <laughs> well, I think for me, um, what has happened through COVID is actually to go online. A lot of my work, but we work with community work, particularly women's centers, and I do one to one work as well. So COVID taught me how to use Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> the top is like, oh my gosh. And I, I my head went trying to think about how do I do that? Now I just feel second nature, of course. But yes, from that point of view, it's I do do workshops. I 
I offer like like um the minute I run an extreme self-care program, which is oh, for so the, and, and I, I kind of I like to do that over the year. And that's been that's been an, um, I've been informed by that from Cheryl Richardson's work, you know, from yes, the work yes, that she sure. would do. So I, when I read Cheryl Richardson's book, I just thought, oh, I could do that with women. I could we could do that. So yeah. I started that this year and I'm oh, hoping to do that next year as well. Well, to the um, I'll put all of this information into the show oh, notes. Okay. Uh, okay. On that. I do want to mention that you're also a licensed to your life practitioner. I am. Um, Wonderful. And so many um, of our guests are have been influenced by the work of Louise Hay. And it's so exciting to hear how you are integrating that into all aspects of your work. And I'm really excited for people to reach out to you for not only personal empowerment, but also to be heard and to be wow. good. And like you said, when we started recording, you got into this line of work because you wanted to understand why you went through the childhood that you did and to what happened to you as a child. And I think that's what makes you so powerful in the work that you do now. And I just want to thank you for being on the show with us today. And again, that website is deboramahaffey.com. That's D-E-B-O-R-A-H-M-E-H. AFFY.com. And um, I'm going to put into the show notes other ways to get a hold of you, other things that you have going on. And if you were to share one final thing with the listeners and, and in particular with that woman who needs to hear you today, what would that be? Oh, every time. Maya Angelou, still I rise. Still I rise. Still I rise. And I can't remember the whole verse, but I wish I'd have brought it. But you can check it out on YouTube. But it's, it goes something like, did you want to see me broken, bowed head and lowered eyes, tears falling down? Um, well, I can't remember the rest of it. But bottom line is, ladies, anyone listening to this, you have been through hell. And I'm telling you, what you didn't focus on was your strength. And when you are one mighty woman, you just aren't looking in the right way. And the last part that I would say is we and are, we and are. <laughs> if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Just yes. look at yourself because you can change your life. And I know that you can. Get Reach out, get help. Speak particularly to, to women who understand the issue of domestic violence. Put your hand out there. there. You just need to go look for them. That is beautiful. I love the encouragement and the power that you are providing to people. I do want to say that in Canada and the U.S., there are organizations often called victim services or some mm -hmm. other rendition of that name that people yes. can reach out to as well. Uh, do you have yes. something similar in Ireland where people can... Yes. Yes. Wonderful. Yes. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for the important work that you do in the world. And thank you for being with us here today, Debbie. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you for joining us today. If you would like to become an internationally certified Heal Your Life teacher and coach, please visit thetraining.ca. To be a guest on the show and share your story, please visit victoriajohnson.org. Thank you so much for joining us.